You're listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Tyler Jones. I'm your host. Thank you for listening in, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless this podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. On the podcast today is Jason Rowland. He's a senior pastor and one of our elders here at Believer's Baptist Church and another of our elders, Philip Castleton. And Thanksgiving is coming up soon. And I know how much of a foodie Philip is. So (laughs) besides plain and dry cheeseburger, (laughs) what are you going to have for Thanksgiving? Uh, Lots of... uh, Or what are you most looking forward to? Yeah, trifactin or whatever that stuff is that's in turkey that makes you go to sleep. That's that's what I want. Is Um, is that melatonin or something? What is it? I don't know. Melatonin is something that helps to go to sleep. But anyway, no, um, I like turkeys okay. Um, I really like the deep fried turkey. Yeah. Um, I I wasn't a huge turkey fan. Even I'd eat it because it's kind of dry. But ever since they come out with those deep, like they came out with them, this is a new thing. <laughs> but ever since they came out with them deep fried turkeys, yeah. now I'm Made all in about China, right? that. Yeah. But hey, but that's a good Chinese turkey. It's the only Chinese food I eat. <laughs> it's Chinese fried turkey. Um, no, that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, my brother in law, um, of all the wonderful things that could be said about my brother in law, uh, <laughs> he makes a good fried turkey. Yeah. yeah. That's one of them. That's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, what about dessert? Anything in you know, particular? My wife, or my mother-in-law, usually, and sometimes my wife, um, but they'll make like it's like a pudding pie. Mm-hmm. It's like um, graham cracker crust with pudding and whipped cream, and I like that chocolate. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that, but I also Me like too. banana pudding a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm a banana. If someone makes a good banana pudding, some people make it with no bananas. Which I don't. Know, how do you have a banana pudding with no bananas? It needs plenty of bananas. Um, <laughs> I think so too. But um, but I like banana pudding as well. What about yeah. you, Jason? Oh, I'm looking forward to some of the same things. The, the turkey, I love turkey. I, I eat turkey year-round. I, I could eat it probably every day. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I know this is going to sound really weird, but um, in my wife Stacy's uh, tradition, there is this Frito salad um, that I, I enjoy that a whole lot. Is that uh, Catalina dressing yeah, and stuff? Yeah, Catalina yeah. dressing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's about the only time... We get it as um, Thanksgiving or uh, Christmas or some special holiday occasion. The rest uh, of the time, they just eat it in California. Yeah. It's a Cali, <laughs> yeah. Cali salad. Yeah. Isn't that where Catalina is? Yeah. Catalina know, Where's Catalina Island? I'm not sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's uh, abroad somewhere, though. Yeah. It's not here in Texas. That's all <laughs> I know. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, you put the word salad on it. It's probably not in my in my <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it has lettuce in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not good. Green stuff, right? Yeah. Right. Um, for me, we always have pecan pie, like every Thanksgiving. So that's one of the things I look forward to a lot. And then after that, like a chocolate pie, you know, like Philip was talking about, um, I like those desserts, and then I pretty much eat anything. But um, the there's a corn. It's like kind of like a cream corn almost, homemade cream corn that my my mom's mom used to make, and Kaylee's grandma also her mom's mom also makes pretty much the exact same. I don't know if it was a thing back then or what, but I really look forward to that, and we get it sometimes. At uh, like birthday parties and stuff, you know, for uh, my wife's family, but that I look forward to that corn for sure. So, um, anyway, Thanksgiving is coming up, and uh, there are 
uh, from here forward, a lot of holidays and that kind of thing. Um, and we're not going to uh, actually have a podcast in December, right? Um, so we're just basically uh, starting back over in January of 2021. And I think everybody's going to start back over then, right? Where culture is going to start back over. We're going to reboot. We're going to reboot. Yeah. So we will uh, kind of leave you guys to the holidays and that kind of thing. With that said, I would appreciate if you would give us a review on the podcast. It's something that can be tricky at times, and I've said it before, but we can help you through that process. Philip uh, has many uh, pre-written uh, reviews for you so we can copy paste yeah. uh, just just text Philip he'll give you a pro review <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, yeah a review is a nice thing five star review for us and we would appreciate that uh, happy Thanksgiving and with that we'll get to the question um, is God working good things for me well that would uh, a lot of qualifiers need to be uh, worked out there um, is God working good things for you? Well, first of all, are you a Christian? That would be a <laughs> That's good the first way to, qualifier. That is the first qualifier, because if you're not, the answer is no. <laughs> In fact, um, what God has planned for you is probably not going to be fun, not going to be good. There's not going to be anything positive to say about it, except for that God's justice will be served. Mm-hmm. So that if you're not a Christian, that's the only positive we can say about it is that God's justice, um, perfect justice will be served and meted out by a holy God. Now, if you are a Christian, is God working for your good? Yes. Is he working in all things for your good? Yes. But is he working all uh, the misunderstanding? That, that I think that most people have. And, and, we, and the, the text, really, I think that you're referencing is in Romans 8, 28. And this is what it says. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are the called according um, to his purpose. So um, they, they, they read that verse. And what they think is that every circumstance, every situation that I find myself in, I can trust that God is working that particular circumstance for my temporal good. And that's usually, whether they qualify it or not, that's what they think about the verse. That, um, you know, my my grandma died, but I know that there's going to be something good in in my temporal life that's going to come about this because God um, is is working all things for the good of every person. And and that's just not what the text says. He is working in all things, undoubtedly, but there's certain qualifiers, one of being which um, we know that for those who love God, Right. Well, there's the first qualifier I put on it. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're, are you a Christian? Are you in Christ? Uh, are you united to Christ's death and resurrection? Have by faith you've, you're resting in the finished work of Christ, and and by grace you 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 rest in Him. If that's the case, then then by all means, it, God is working in all things and ultimately for your good. But are they all temporal goods? Are they? Does that mean that you're going to understand or recognize in this life? how God is working for you, not according to the context, right? Mm-hmm. If we're to put this verse back in its context, what is it saying? So let's do that, and then maybe we can understand it. Right. We could go back into the beginning of chapter 8, but we won't go that far because of the amount of text. So I would just say, let's go back to verse 20, um, just a few verses before. And and really, he's been setting forth the benefits um, of um, uh 
this he's really working out the first place in in, in Romans as he's been making his argument. Um, he's really working out here for uh, his his reader the work of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Right. This is the first place where the Holy Spirit really is being explained and put forth, and the power of the Holy Spirit's work in the in the believer's life is being put forth. And this is what he's talking about here. Uh, in fact, go back to verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Right? And he's going to go on here. The creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from bondage to corruption. So here's he's arguing... You know, we're, we're sinners, and because we're sinners, um, we are in a state of, of corruption. But not only us. All of creation has been subjected to this state of entropy, where it's, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And, it, and, and that, uh, not, on its own, uh, not of its own work, but of yours. Because of your sin, man, um, all of creation is, has been subjected to this futility, and it longs for redemption. It longs for your redemption, because when you're redeemed, it too will be redeemed, is ultimately what's being put here. Look here, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Right, it's been longing. The, the pains of childbirth has an expectation. When a person, when a woman goes into labor, there it's painful, it's difficult, it's horrible. But there's an expectation that there, there's going to be a child. Right, when that child comes, the pain is over. It's the joy. This is what's being communicated here. They, there is a a, 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 a horrible uh, groaning that's going on in creation as it's been subjected to futility, but not without hope. Creation itself hopes. Because it knows that all that it's going through, there's an end. There's an end to it. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. Now, how do we know? Because we have the first fruits of the Spirit. This is why, right? We have the first fruits of the Spirit. It grown inwardly, we do, as we wait eagerly for the adoptions of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So if we have the Spirit working within us, we too long for the day when we're no longer corrupted by sin. We're no longer sub- too subjected to the futility that, uh, that we inherited through Adam and, through, uh, and that we've propagated through our own sinful behavior. We're no longer attached to that. We are longing for the day when our bodies know no more sin. And creation itself longs for that day. For in this, verse 24, in this we hope, or in this hope rather, we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for that which he sees? The reason that this is a hope for us, even though hope biblically is something that's guaranteed, the reason it's a hope for us is because as of yet, we're still in this unredeemed flesh. When when that unredeemed flesh is made a reality, it's no longer hope for us. It's a reality, right? That's just the point that he's making. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now here, you know, so he's saying, you have been subjected to sin. And even the things, and this is where he's going to go, even the things, the, the, the glorious spiritual realities that we know in this life, and even have been given to us as an act of grace uh, by the merits of Christ, um, 
Even those things, though, are tainted by sin and ultimately are colored by um, our sinful behaviors, right? Can I interject something here? Because I I see the pattern that's being laid out here. Creation groans, Mm -hmm. we groan, Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit Spirit groans. groans. That's exactly the point. Right. Right. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. So here we go. I can't even pray rightly because um, my, my mind, uh, you know, my spirit, everything that is, uh, belongs to me outside of Christ, uh, everything that's natural to me is still knows the taint and the flavor of sin. And so even when I come to God and I try to offer up, him, to offer up to him uh, pure motives and pure thoughts, they're tainted. And I often am, am swayed by my own fleshly desires. I can't even offer up pure prayers, right? This is what Paul is saying. We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So the Spirit's praying for us. The Spirit is praying for us. And it goes on to say, because he knows God's mind. The Trinity, they're of one purpose and one mind. And, and, you know, so he's, he knows the mind of God. He's going to say this, this is even spelled out more for us in first Corinthians chapter one and two about how the spirit knows the mind of God and the spirit ultimately reveals spiritual things to a man. So he can know spiritual things only because he is spiritually renewed. But here he says, um, the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit. This is God. God knows the Spirit. Spirit knows God. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Right? Those of us who are in Christ, the Spirit intercedes according to the will of God. So the Spirit knows what God wants for you. The Spirit knows what God wants for me. And even though I don't come to God and offer up prayers that are often right or rightly motivated or even know what is best for me, the Spirit does. The Spirit does. So the Spirit prays for me according to the will of God. Verse 28, here's our verse, right smack dab in the middle of this. And we know, we know that for those who love God, the saints, he's just called them saints, all things work together for good for those who are called, right, according to his purpose. Now, is the calling according to his purpose, or are all these things that are working out for the saint according to his purpose? I would say yes, both, right? He has just said that the saints, I mean, that the Spirit is praying according to God's will, and now he's saying that all things work out for the believer, the one who's in Christ, the one who loves God, all things work out according to God's purpose. Well, what is God's purpose? Does it mean temporal blessing? It might, but does it? Not always. He goes on to explain how we know, how we know that the purposes of God always work out for good. Look what it says. This is how we know. This is why when people um, argue against God's sovereignty and, and salvation, they're actually doing their own argument an injustice. They don't recognize that it's God's sovereignty in, in everything, in his perfect plan of salvation from beginning to end, that that promises blessing to us temporally and eternally. Look what it says. For, because, we know that all things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, because those whom he foreknew, 
he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There's the temporal blessing, right? Mm -hmm. He's making me like his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he glorified. He sets that verse. He founds it. He sets it right on the foundation of. Do you know how you know that everything that God is doing is working for you good? Because he not only saved you, but he will bring you all the way to the end of your salvation. He not only knew you when you were unlovable and loved you then. He cast his love upon you when you were unlovable. He predetermined the outcome to be means that the end of your salvation, when we're conformed to the image of his son, he has predestined us all the way to the end of our salvation in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, right? He is the preeminent one amongst the amongst all um, uh, those uh, who uh, who would come after him in Christ. Right? He's the preeminent one. And those whom he predestined, he calls. This is the effectual call. Though those whom he effectually calls, he declares righteous, justified. He gives them. He imputes to them the righteousness of Christ. Right? Takes upon himself their sin. And those whom he justified, he ultimately brings all the way to glorification. He glorifies. This is the foundation. This is the slab upon which this house is built. This promise is built. Our salvation from beginning to end, Christ's work. And because of that, we know that, and, and that even though we can't, that we're tainted by sin, even though that every, my, my motives are tainted, every, my thoughts are tainted, even though I can't think rightly, uh, about things, I have a spirit who's interceding for me according to the will of God to bring about n not everything good, not necessarily temporally. I might under I might un undergo unbelievable uh, um, um, trials in this life. I might undergo un unbelievable pain. I might have to endure um, all kinds of hardships in this life. But this, this verse is a promise that what God began in me in salvation because of the intercessory work of the Spirit isn't, isn't for a moment resting on me, isn't for a moment resting on my ability to pray or, or, or my ability to, to, to do right before God. This is showing that not only has Christ done from beginning to end, but even the work of the Spirit is a work of an intercessor for me in this life. And because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, because of this work of salvation from beginning to end, I can know that God is at work in all things in my life. That's really the better way to think about if I'm going through a difficult time and it's um, emotionally and um, mentally straining on me, if I can think that way, what the text actually says that's far better than even thinking, well, God is going to work this for good in my temporal life, in my temporal circumstances. Right. I mean, if we could think that God is conforming me to the image of his son and he's bringing me ultimately to the end of my salvation uh, by grace through faith in Christ, then, then that is far better than as we read the text at the beginning of the, the going through the verses that um, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Yeah. That's better than, 
well, I'm going to see some good come out of this bad circumstance. Well, and here's why we know also that this isn't promising that we won't see bad circumstances or that they'll all be worked out. The rest of the chapter says this. What shall we say then? To these things. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things? So we, we read that and we think, see, he's going to give me blessing, right? People often misunderstand and they misquote another verse that's about to come up. I'm more than conquerors, right? But listen to what he's going to say. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies, who condemns. Christ is Jesus, the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who, inter- who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? The point is, is we might go through all of those things. Every one of them mm-hmm. might be a reality for us temporally. But it will not separate us from what God has begun. And what he promises to bring forth. That is the context of this verse. It never promises temporal satisfaction or temporal salvation from from, um, uh, what might seem to be overcoming trials or temptations in this life. It doesn't promise redemption from that. It promises that even though I'm going through them, I will overcome them in Christ, even if it's... uh, uh, the, uh, even if it's after my death, right? Even if it's um, in in glorification. Right. So not all, not knowing all these things, in all these things, not bypassing all these things. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor anything present or things to come nor powers nor height nor anything else of creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the argument that He's put forth. If we take that verse out of its context, not only do we do an injustice to to what it means, but we rob ourselves of a real blessing. Right. In the fact that what we see is that God not just loved us enough to manipulate some temporal circumstances so that it works out good for me here. Right. No, that he is at work in everything and he loves me so much. It's like the parent who doesn't spank their kids and they like to say, I don't spank my kids because I love them too much to spank them. No, you don't love them. That's why you don't spank them. God says, I'm not necessarily going to take temporal things that would conform you to the image of your son away. I love you enough to leave you to leave those things upon you because they create in you something wonderful and I love you enough to conform you to that image temporally now progressively now but ultimately in glorification right I think the the um, key word of good in the question is God working good things for me is different than the key word of good in the scripture right wouldn't it be a different it would be yes this good is yeah. like temporal because the the question is asked because what our uh, common thought is that God is working for my convenience and my comfort and my happiness, mm-hmm. um, and we consider that good. And and there's nothing wrong with that. That that being comfortable and convenient and happy and safe and secure. I mean, those are all human realities. Uh, but God is not necessarily doing those things for us um, all the time because His good is. Well, yeah. you've been explaining. Well, and the interesting thing is that the perspective of all the biblical writers are different than our perspective. James says, count it all joy, right, when you right. go through these things. Peter says the same thing. Count it all joy, but ultimately, this is providing something greater. 
Paul says, the light and momentary suffering I'm going through doesn't compare to the eternal weight of glory that's being provided through these sufferings. I mean, every one of these things, if we would let the Scripture speak for us and we would uh, adopt their thinking, the, the apostolic uh, teaching, we would recognize that all those temporal realities are probably much better for us than all the good things that happen to us because they provide for us something eternal. Mm-hmm. You know, the blessings that uh, the, 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 the positive things that we experience in life do very little for us in the context of eternity. Right. But the hard things do much for us in the context of eternity. Right. And, and we and don't we, think about that. No, we, we don't. As we said in an earlier podcast uh, this month, we don't typically think about eternal things. We think more about temporal things. And so I think what you were saying, Tyler, is right that our definition of good is something less than what the scripture is uh, trying to convey to us. Well, and I think you're I think you're absolutely right. God defines good. We don't, right? right. Well, God defines love. God defines a lot of things in scripture that we have decided to um to redefine for our um perceived benefit, you know, what we think would, would benefit us. But the fact is, is what God defines as good and what we think is good are often not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, what God, God defines as love and what we define as love isn't, is often not the same. I think that's, I think you hit a key point there. If we could, um, if we let God define the terms, then our life looks completely different. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, this is um, November of 2020. And so when we come back, um, it will be by God's uh, good grace to us. It'll be a new year, and uh, perhaps things will look uh, differently. In fact, we know things will look differently in, in some regards because the election would have taken place, the national election, and we will have uh, chosen um, a president, and uh, perhaps the pandemic and all of the ramifications of that would be less. It's hard to know. And we might have chosen a president and still got the wrong one. <laughs> at least not the one we chose we won't have got the wrong one because god's in control of that but yeah. we might not have got the ones that we chose <laughs> in fact um we would have by the time that this podcast is being um put out we will have already chosen the president um by the first of the month and right. this is coming out the, the last of the month so um people have always said uh well you know i don't want to vote because um I have to choose between the the lesser of two evils. That's always been the case, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. In the history of the nation, yeah. there's always been the case. Jesus so. isn't running for office. So right. He's yeah. already the king. Right. So <laughs> anyway, um, the Lord bless all of you who are listening. We're grateful for the fact that you take the time to listen to these podcasts. Our prayer is always that they're helpful. And uh, as Tyler said in the beginning, We will not be recording in the month of December of 2020, but we'll look forward to come back in January with uh, some new questions and uh, hopefully some helpful thoughts about those questions. And let me throw this out there. We put these um, we put these podcasts on Sermon Audio as well. So if you're listening to this on Sermon Audio, um, don't be afraid to look us up on iTunes or whatever the case may be. And and if they're helpful, give us a review or or send an email to the church or whatever, and let us know that you're listening. And let us know that they're helpful. Argue with us about um, where we've gone awry. Something. But uh, let us know you're out there, and we're grateful uh, for all of those of you who... And you can submit in. questions, too. Yeah, if submit a question. Questions or something you'd like to see us cover. It's called Stump the Preachers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, BBB, BBC Emory. Dot org. Dot org. Yep, yep. So uh, we have a place that you can submit on the website. 
Jared's been working on the website. It looks good. It it feels good. You can navigate it much more easily. And you so. can even put faces to the voices if you go to the website. Yeah. Yep. Yes, I'm not sure that would be a good thing. But <laughs> no, not ever since you've lost yours. <laughs> Jason is faceless. <laughs> well, they they uh, you know the saying is you have a face for radio, and that's yeah. what we're doing right now, pretty right, much is right. radio. So I have the best radio face I can promise. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast. If what you've heard today has been helpful to you, please subscribe. On behalf of the elders of BBC, I invite you to a worship service at Believer's Baptist Church this coming Sunday. The Bible study hour begins at 9.15 and the worship service begins at 10.30. Grace and peace. Peace.